Hello? Test one, two, three. Don't touch the microphone, please. All right, sit back. Sit back. The best day of my life was meeting Kendall Sam. Uh-huh. <laughs> the best day of my life was being asked to be in this video. What? The best moment of my life was when I got cast as Prince Eric in The Little Mermaid. The best moment in my life is when I was adopted by Chuck and Betty Stockton. One of the best moments in my life was when I was baptized here by Pastor Matt. One of the best things that's ever happened to me is going to the Caribbean. Because I saw a shark! <laughs> it was like this the best thing that's ever happened to me is I got to um, see Taylor Swift in concert for my birthday and she was gorgeous. The best thing that happened to me was I went to my first Ohio State Buckeye game, uh, well, Ohio State football game, like that one up there. I have three best things that ever happened to me. One is my salvation, the day I accepted Christ when I was eight years old. Second, the day I married my wife, Angela Carl, Angela Carl Buck now. And thirdly would be the day that we adopted my little boy, Elijah Joel Buck. What's the best thing that's ever happened to you? So once this time, um, like, mom was, um, so we were on the coaster and mom's like, ah, this is so scary. And me and Veronica are like, no, it's not. And then it keeps going faster and faster and faster. And I was like, ah! That was it. All right. Let's give all of those people a big round of applause for being in our video. That was, uh, yeah, we shot that very last minute today. So um, if I was to ask you guys that question, uh, actually turn to your neighbor and tell them the best thing, uh, the best moment of your life. Go ahead, real quick. Turn to your neighbor and tell them the best moment of your life. <laughs> now, a lot of you are probably saying the day I met Pastor Matt. And you know what? That's fine. I, I get it. I get it. No, I'm just kidding. So uh, here, here's what I want to do for a couple minutes. Hey, guys, we got a pretty good turnout tonight. Thank you for all being here. Thank you for being here. You're normally our Sunday crew. So, all right. Uh, what I want to do is I want to, I wanna, again, I just want to ask you guys that question is what is the best thing that's ever happened to you? And I want to tell you the best thing that's ever happened to me. Now, I'll give you a disclaimer. Obviously, my wife and my kids are the best thing that's happened to me. Obviously, my uh, getting saved, I'll say that first, saved, and then my wife. But I'm going to tell you my best sports memory, okay? This is the best sports memory that ever happened to me. In fact, I'm just going to show it to you. So go ahead and hit that clip. Everybody pay attention to the screen. Oh, yeah. And he's got an opening. Yes. Off to the races. Can they catch him? No, they can't. Touchdown. My favorite part is the dude at the end trying to get the high five and those sad Alabama fans. Wait for this. Wait for it. This guy right, not him. Right here, this guy. Watch him try to get a high five. He's like, hey, man, come on. Hey, hey, come on. Oh, there we go. All right. So, so listen, that, guys, I remember that as if it was four years ago because it was. All right, guys, that is one of the best memories of my life. It was the Alabama-Ohio State game. Now, let me tell you, when I first got married, I, uh, when I married my wife, her, her, uh, her parents told me that in order for me to uh, be in the family, I have to be a Buckeye fan. And I didn't have a sports team, so I was like, I'll give these Buckeyes a shot. And then we went on to the championship that year and lost. 41-14 to Florida. It was terrible, all right? Then the next year, we made it to the championship again, and guess what? 
We lost again to LSU. It was awful. And then just, we just kept losing and losing. And the SEC, which was the Southeastern Conference, these guys just kept owning us. And it really... It was really sad until this beautiful day when Ezekiel Elliott sealed the deal by running an 85-yard touchdown run against the best defense in the nation, the number one Crimson Tide Alabama. Oh, oh, I, I, I love it. That was the day we finally beat the SEC. It was the day. I was at my friend's house. We were down in his basement, and he had a, a child sleeping upstairs, a baby. And when it happened, I was jumping around like crazy, and he goes, dude, my kid's asleep. And I said, what did you expect? I was like, this is the playoffs, man. What are you talking about? So anyway, so guys, that's, that's like my, my favorite moment. And, and here's what's cool is when that happened, do you guys think that I kept that to myself? No, I told everybody. I had friends who were Alabama fans. I texted him. I was like, hey, did you see the game tonight? He's like, shut up, dude. All right. I had a Notre Dame friend uh, who has a, his friends in Notre Dame or his team is the Notre Dame Fighting Irish and they've never even been close to winning a championship. And so I called him. I was like, hey, did you hear that my boys are going to the championship game? We just won the playoffs. He goes, dude, shut up. Like, so all my friends. And so I told everybody, I posted on Facebook. I called my friends and I told everybody because I was extremely excited about it. I was super pumped. I was super happy, all right? And what we're going to talk about today is I want to introduce you to our new series. Can you, is our series graphic back there? All right, this is our series. Is it not back there? Ooh, checking that, checking that September folder. It might be there. Yeah. Oh, good call. Uh, everybody pull up uh, your, your note card. We gave out note cards on your way in for you to take notes, all right? You can also use it as a fan for yourself if it's getting a little hot in here. But you'll notice if you look at it and you look up on the screen here, this is our new series. It's called The Gospel 101. And what we're going to do is our goal in this series is to try to equip you guys to tell others about the greatest moment, not just in your life, but in the, really in, in mankind. In, in the history of time, the greatest moment, okay? Now, if you, if you guys have grown up in church and you, you've heard us talk about the gospel before, you know what that is. But there's probably a bunch of people in here who might not know what that is. And so, again, what we're going to try, we're going to do tonight is we want to we just talk about this, this gospel. And we want to talk about how it should excite every Christian. And the problem is, is I don't think it does. I don't think every Christian is excited about the gospel. That's a problem. Wouldn't you agree with that? So, um, a couple weeks ago, if you remember, I had a bottom line that we said, the opposite of love is, does anybody remember what it was? Wow, very good. Say it with me. The opposite of love is silence. Is it a, oh, come on, dude. Did I write that down there? I'm sorry. Okay, all right. The opposite of love is silence. And when we talked about this, we talked about if you really do truly love someone and you care about that person, the worst thing that you can do as a Christian is not tell them about God. It's to not tell them about Jesus. It's to just be completely silent. That's why the opposite of love is silence. And so when, when, we, uh, when we look around at some statistics and stuff, I, to me, it's kind of obvious that Christians are very silent right now. Let me give you a couple stats. Go ahead and hit that first one, all right? Uh, 95, and this is on your notes here, so write this down, okay? Fill in these blanks here. 95% of all Christians have never won a soul to Christ. Now, this is according to Bible.org, which is a very, I assume it's a reputable site. But, uh, but 95%, guys, think about that. That means that only 5% of Christians are leading people to Christ. That is a staggering number, and it's really depressing. I'm kind of depressed now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right, go to the next one. All right, here's the next slide uh, or the next uh, stat. 81% of all Christians do not consistently witness for Christ, meaning that they have the greatest gift known to mankind, and 81% of them just keep it to themselves. It's awful. Next, next stat. Less than 2% of Christians are involved in the ministry of evangelism. Now, in a couple weeks, we're going to be starting a new series called 
go fish. And it's all about uh, being fishers of men. And, and, and uh, it's all about evangelism. So we'll talk in, about that a little bit later. But guys, 2% are involved in the ministry of evangelism. That is where you leave your church and you tell people about God. You tell people about Jesus. And guys, that's, that's an awful. And here's the last stat. This one blows my mind. 93% of all tr- church growth is transfer growth. Now, what does that mean? That means that, let's say Genoa, let's take our church, Genoa Church. Let's say we look at our last year and we say, how many new people did we have at church? And we say there was 100 new people at church. 93 of those 100 people are just from other churches. They're not unsaved people that we have led to Christ. All they've decided is they said, hey, at my other church, I didn't like the music. I'm going to go to your church. Hey, at the other church, they, I didn't like the light show that they did. I'm going to go to Genoa. And guys, that is an awful, awful number, okay? 93% of all church growth is transfer growth. That means it's kind of like when, you're, when, you're, uh, when your mom tells you to clean your room and you just go into your room and you, you, you shove all your toys. Or, well, you guys are older now. So you shove all your, all your clothes into the closet. You, shove, you sweep all the dirt under the, the carpet. It's still dirty, but you're just moving it around. And the thing is, we have a bunch of Christians in our country, and all we're doing is just moving them around. And we're, we're kind of saying that it's new Christians, which is kind of deceiving. So, guys, I, I, I put those stats on your card because I want you to have those. I want you to be thinking about that to yourself. 93%, 95% of all Christians. That's crazy. So I want to ask you tonight, are you guys one of those statistics? And you don't have to answer this. This is a rhetorical question, but are you guys one of those 95% who've never won a soul to Christ? Are you one of the 81% who do not consistently witness for Christ? Are you part of that 2% that's not involved in any kind of ministry of evangelism? And if you are, what are you going to do about it? We've got to change that, right? And that's what us and myself and the leaders were going to try to do. But, but, but I was asking myself as I was putting this lesson together, as I said, well, why is this? Why is it that, that people were not leading people to Christ? Why is it that these stats are so crazy? And is it that Christians are not excited about God? Perhaps. But I'm going to go a step further. And I want, I, I'm going to, let me say it this way. I think that most people in this room, if I was to ask you right now, um, share the gospel with me. I think that a lot of people in this room probably would feel very uncomfortable doing it. Or they'd say, hmm. I, I don't know. I think that on a Sunday morning, even the adults that are over there, I think that if I went in there on a Sunday morning and said, hey, all you adults, who in here can share the gospel with somebody? Who can tell somebody about God? I guarantee you that most of them would have problems with it. People have problems articulating it. They have problems kind of, of putting it together. And so what, what I love, ahead, can you hit our, um, our graphic again, the, the church graphic or the uh, Gospel 101. This, you'll see the subtext under it. It's the Gospel 101, and it doesn't say, do you share the good news? It says, can you share the good news? Can you share the good news? And that's what we're going to be talking about today is not, not as much do you, but can you do it? Do you feel equipped to go and share your faith with somebody? And again, I think the answer is no. If I asked people in, in here right now, if I said, hey, gentlemen, gentlemen in the front, thank you. If I was to ask all of you guys and just say, hey, what is the gospel? Here's a couple of answers I'm sure we would get. Uh, number one, a lot of you would probably say, it's the first four books of the New Testament. And that's true. They're the Gospels. Some of you would say, well, the Gospel is the, the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yes, that's true as well. Some of you guys may even say it's, it's the good news. That's what Gospel literally is translated as, is the good news, okay? And, and, and all of these things are right, and they're all correct. But I think the problem that we run into is a lot of us, it's not that we, we, we don't 
tell the gospel, but we don't share why people need the gospel. Why do people need Jesus? And so, again, what my goal tonight is we're going to try to uh, equip you guys to be able to articulate this. My, my goal tonight is that afterwards you can leave feeling pretty confident that you can share the gospel with somebody, okay? So I, I want us to pray real quick. Um, let, me, let me read one scripture before we do that. Go ahead and put Romans 1.16 up if you don't mind. Um, there, there's a guy named Paul who we talked about very often, actually in, uh, in, in uh, Genoa students here. And, and this is a guy who I would say was very unashamed of, of the gospel, which is what this verse says. He, he had no reservation. Like his whole life was about sharing the gospel. And listen to this. This is Romans 1.16. If you have your Bibles, you can look it up. If not, it's on the screen. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is God's power for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. He's not ashamed of the gospel. You see in this passage here that the gospel is a very important thing. This is the thing that brings salvation, right? So let's go ahead. I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll dive into it. So let's all bow our heads, and we'll pray. Here we go. Dear God, thank you so much. Thank you for everybody that's here today. And God, give me the words to say. Give, uh, give everybody here the ears to listen. And God, as we talk about this very important topic, the gospel, the, the very thing that our Christianity hinges on, I pray that we can be a student ministry that is very articulate in what we believe that we are a student ministry that knows exactly what we believe and why we believe it. So God, be with us tonight. We love you and we pray this in your name. And all of God's children said, amen. All right, great. So uh, who here comes on Sunday mornings? Anybody come on Sunday mornings? I know a lot of you guys do. On Sunday mornings, what, we've, what we try to do is we start at the very beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis, and we're doing our best to go all the way through. It's just a, an overview of the entire scripture. And so what we did is we started at Genesis, went all the way through Genesis, got to Exodus, went all the way through Exodus, and we've just been going and going and going. I think right now we're ending Judges, I think. But, but the whole point of this study is we're, we're trying to look at the Bible as more than just a bunch of random stories thrown together that teach you different virtues. Like, I don't ever want you to just read the Bible and just be like, ooh, here's a good story on uh, courage. Here's a good story, story on sharing, you know? For sure, you can get those. But the Bible as a whole is this big, it's this, it has, it, it's like this big storyline. And what I want us to do tonight is we're going to give a, a pretty brief summary on it. But um, uh, in fact, it's called the three circle method. So let me show you this. Who went to youth camp? Anybody go to youth camp? I was in youth camp and uh, there was a lady there that was trying to explain this to the group that I was in. And she was, she was showing the three circle method and she butchered it. And it really bothered me. I was sitting there and I was like, oh no, she's doing it wrong. Let me get up there and explain it. And so what I want to do is I, I've used this method before where if you are talking to somebody and somebody doesn't know about God and they don't know about Jesus and they don't know the whole point of pretty much what the gospel is, the three-circle method, which I'm about to show you now, is a great, easy thing to do. I, I did it on a napkin when I did it with my friend. It was at the bank. I was like, here, check this out. Circle, circle, circle. It's a three, there's three circles, obviously. All right, so here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're just going to go through these real quick, okay? And I'm going to try to do these nice and big. And I will need some crowd involvement, okay? So be ready if I call on you guys, all right? But here's our three circles. Now, um, if you, yeah, you can draw this out on your paper. Now, uh, Leaders, I, I'm going to ask you to go over this again with your kids in small group, and I want them to go over this with you. So write this down as well, okay? All right, here we go. So the first circle that we've got here is one that we're going to call God's design. Now, if you remember God's design, okay. When we started at the beginning in the book of Genesis, 
uh, we, we talked about how God created everything. You remember Genesis 1, it says God created the heavens, he created the earth, he created the trees, he created the plants, the people, right, at the very end. And it's really cool because he created all this stuff, everything was perfect, including mankind. That was the last thing he made. It was his pinnacle, right? His, his most important creation was mankind. And so this circle, oops, I should have put it in the circle. All right, there. It's supposed to be in the circle, okay? But the circle in the circle is God's design. This right here, think of it as perfection. This is what God wanted everything to be. And then Genesis 3 happens. Somebody remind me what happens in Genesis chapter 3. Does anybody remember? Yes, ma'am. Uh, yes. What happened with Adam and Eve? When they eat the fruit that God told them not to. That's right. They sinned, right? So what we're going to do, everybody come down here. On your line here, write sin, okay? On that line there. So remember, we've got God's design. Everything's perfect, okay? Adam and Eve in Genesis 3 choose to sin. And guys, this changes the course of history. It changes the course of everything because God's whole plan was for us to just live in this perfect design, to worship him like he created us to do, to live in perfection. Yet, because Adam and Eve choose to disobey God, sin enters the world. And now, remember, if we were perfect with God's design, let's go to the second circle here, and we are going to write brokenness, okay? Brokenness have two ends. What do you think? B-R-O-K-E-N-N-E-S-S? Yeah, okay, good. Thank you, uh, ninth grader Riley. I appreciate that. All right, here it is. Brokenness, okay? So listen, God's perfect design, he sins, and then now we're no longer perfect. We are now broken. And guys, listen, when you're telling people about Jesus, when you're sharing the gospel with them, this is very important because people need to know why they need Jesus, right? I, I read a story once where this guy was like, uh, he said there was a guy sitting on a pier, and I may have told you this before, but there was a guy sitting on a pier, and this dude just runs beside him, and he goes, I'm going to give my life for you, and then he just jumps in the water and drowns. And the guy's like, what for? Things seem to be going pretty good over here, you know? And the idea is a lot of times we go up to people and we just say, hey, 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 give your life to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. And they go, what for? Things are pretty good right now. I got a lot of cool friends. I enjoy the things that I'm doing, okay? And so what we have to do is we have to show these people that, that what they were once perfect because of sin, they're now broken, well, everybody who's born is born with this sinful nature, this brokenness, right? And so, um, so that's the second one. Now, somebody help me out here. What we're going to do is, what are some of the results of a broken world that we live in? What are some things that people do that were not part of God's design? What do you think, Jack? Stealing. Yeah, that's a great one, all right? Stealing was not around, okay? Because of sin, all right, and because of our brokenness, people steal. Yes, sir? Lying. Exactly right. That is... That's, I struggled with that growing up myself. All right. Yes, sir. Fighting. Like UFC? What are you talking about? Oh, wars? Okay. All right. Let, let's say, let's say uh, fighting. I'll just put fighting, and we'll leave that open for interpretation. All right. So like fighting with your sisters, beating up people, you know, stuff like that. Let's get a couple over here. I need some people from this side. What's the result of sin in a broken world? Yes, ma'am. What? Murder. Yeah, that's a bad one. That is definitely a bad Man, you really elevated it there, you know? We we're talking all these. These are all little things that kids do, and then we go straight to death row. Thank you. All right. Murder. All right. All right. And guys, because, so remember, we lived in a once perfect world. Now the world is broken, and these are the results. And guys, I honestly, I could draw lines off of that circle all day, and we could sit here all day, and we could talk about these things. Depression. Anger. Um, lust. Uh, I mean, that, that's, yeah, stuff like that, you know? So guys, there's a lot of things 
There's a lot of things that are the result of a brokenness. Now, here's where it gets good, okay? So everybody uh, on this line here, so remember, perfect world, because of sin, the world is broken. Now, I want everybody to write the word repent right here, okay? Write the word repent. Ooh, man, that's awful handwriting. I apologize. All right, repent, okay? Here's the good news. This is the good news of the gospel. We'll dive into this a little bit more here in just a little bit, but perfect world because of sin. The world is broken, but because God has given us this option now where we get to repent because of this. On your third circle, everybody take it and write in a cross right there. You have to write a word, okay? Write in a cross. Somebody raise your hand and tell me what this cross means. Let me get somebody over here. Somebody somebody raise your hand and tell me what does this cross mean? Yes, ma'am. Grace. Salvation. Very good answer. I like it. If you guys remember this, guys, is that Jesus Christ was born. This is what we learn about in the Gospels. He was born. Was God, was, uh, was Jesus broken at all? Did he struggle with these things? Jesus was perfect, okay? He didn't sin. He was sinless. And here's the thing. Because of that, because he was sinless, he was able to die on the cross in our place. This, this is the beauty of it. And then check this out. On this last part, put, put the word restore, okay? Just write the word restore, Okay, you can actually write, write the word uh, pursue, okay, or restore. Here's what's great about this. Remember, we lived in a perfect world. Adam and Eve sinned. Because of sin, we, we are now living in a broken world. Hey, Tim, thanks, buddy. We live in a perfect world, or we live in a broken world where all of this stuff is the case. And then, because of repentance, we can turn to Jesus who saves us who took our place, and now we get to pursue and uh, pursue God, and we are restored back to God's original design for us. We are once again perfect in the eyes of God. Now, this doesn't mean you're not going to sin. doesn't mean you're not going to mess up. You will, but this is the beauty of it. So, so the cool thing about this three-circle method, and hopefully you guys wrote this down because we'll talk about it, but um, I want to I dive into something real quick. Uh, hit my bottom line uh, up there real quick, and then we'll kind of finish off with this, all right? Here's the bottom line for tonight. Hold on a second, all right? The gospel gives us the freedom to be restored. Write this down, okay? The gospel gives us the freedom to be restored. Now, that might sound a little confusing right now, but that's okay. We're going to explain it. So, um, first off, show that, show that next movie clip. Everybody pay attention to this real quick. I made my family disappear. All right, who's seen Home Alone? Who's not seen Home Alone? That's bad parenting. All right, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm going to rent it for you, okay? And we'll watch it together, all right? And I'll get us pizza instead. It'll be fun. All right. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't go that far, but it's, uh, we'll hang out. Okay, so anyways, that movie, Home Alone, is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's definitely one of my favorite comedies. And what's cool about this movie is if in that clip there, uh, if you know the context of the movie, it's there's a kid who was having some pretty hard times with his parents right there. They were getting in the fight. His brothers and sisters were, they were getting on him. And he, ma- he, he made that statement. He goes, man, I wish I could just make my family disappear. And the mom says, you know what, go to your room. So he goes to his room. And in, in the craziness of the morning, they all pack up. They're running late to get their airplane to go on vacation. And guess what happens? 
they forget him. Kevin McAllister, they forget him. He stay, he's at home, and, and, and he, I love how he responds. He, he looks around, and he goes, I made my family disappear. And then he starts running around, and I love the line that he says. He's like, I'm free, I'm free, and he's running around. Who in here has ever seen the movie Braveheart? Anybody ever seen that? It's rated R, so only a couple of people should have seen it. All right, very nice. Now, <laughs> yeah, Jillian, that's right. Uh, oh, no, oh, I'm sorry, Sam. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You guys look identical. All right. So let me tell you about Braveheart real quick. There is a, there's a line in Braveheart. It is the catchphrase of the whole movie. Anybody know it? It's one word. Yeah. Freedom. That's where that came from, right? So in this movie, you've got a guy who, he's a Scottish guy, a Scottish guy, right? And he, his whole country is being oppressed by the English. And so what does he do? Is he, uh, he puts together a group of people and they try to win their freedom back. And at the very end, I'll give you the spoiler, it is 30 years old, so it shouldn't be that bad. But he dies at the end. And as he's dying, he yells out, they said, just beg mercy, just beg it. And he goes, no. And he goes, freedom. And then he dies. It's, it's not a laughing matter, ladies. I cry every time I see this, okay? It is, it's, it's one of my favorite movies. Now, so here's, here's the thing. If I said to you, Home Alone and Braveheart, a lot of you guys would be like, what do those movies have in common? And obviously, it's that one word there, freedom, okay? Hit that, hit that next point for me, okay? Here's the there's two points that I want to do, and then we're going to finish up, okay? So write this down, okay? The gospel brings freedom. Remember, when we're talking about this perfection, this world, we, when sin enters the world, all of us now are bound by sin. We're all slaves to sin. This theme of freedom, it's actually throughout all of Scripture. If you remember, when we were in the book of Exodus, we were talking about the Israelites, how they were slaves in Egypt. Anybody remember how long they were slaves for? How many years? How many? 400 years. The Israelites were slaves for 400 years, and they were begging out to God. They said, God, free us. Save us, all right? And what, what I love about it is this theme of freedom is it, you see it all throughout the Bible. When, when Moses came in and he freed the Israelites, they were free. They were no longer slaves. And not only that, when Jesus comes onto the scene in the New Testament, he tells them, he goes, hey, you guys are slaves, but you're slaves to sin. You are in bondage to sin. You, you, are, you are a slave to this sin, right? This makes you selfish. It makes you think only about yourself. Uh, can you hit Romans 6.20 for me real quick? All right, let's look up on the screen. This is, uh, it says this is Romans 6, 20 to 23. For when you are slaves of sin, you are free from the allegiance to righteousness, meaning you are slaves to sin, all right? And, and you, you are bound by this sin. I, I love it. I've talked to people before who are non, I've talked to non-Christians. I used to work at a bank and I'd always ask them questions. It was kind of like a study group and it was pretty cool. I'd be like, hey, I got some, some crazy questions. I'm a Christian. I want to know kind of your thoughts on some stuff. And, and I asked them, I said, why is it that you guys don't, why, why don't you give your life to God? Like, what is it about Christianity that you don't like? And a common one that I got often was, there's too many rules. Has anybody ever told you guys that before? They think that Christianity is this, this religion where all you do is it's full of rules. It's full of things you can do, things you can't do. And a lot of them, when you hear rules, you think to yourself, oh, I can't do all the fun things that I want to do. And, and the thing is, I mean, I, I think that there are some churches that I've gone into where I'm just like, this is not fun to be a Christian at this church, all right? Because, like, sometimes they do have rules that are just not biblical. They've got rules and stuff. But that, that right there is the biggest problem that I see. And what's funny about it is 
these people, people that think that Christianity is full of rules and they think that, that they don't want to be a slave to Christianity, what's funny is these guys don't see that they are slaves to sin themselves. They're bound by sin, okay? Remember, this little circle here, brokenness, when we talk about this, when, you, when we're broken and sin is in our lives, we're bound like as, as, a, as, a, as, a, as mankind to do these things, to steal, to lie, to fight, to murder, to think about ourselves, to think only about yourself. And what's great about it is salvation, the moment you repent and turn to Jesus, you are no longer bound to these things. Depression, uh, anger. I've seen people who have dealt with really, really terrible things, but because of the power of Jesus Christ that has freed them from sin, they're able to break the bondage of that stuff. Guys, I'm telling you, there, there are people who are dealing with some hard, hard stuff, and they deal with it themselves. They try to say, I can do this myself. I can do it with my friends. I, I will get through this. I just need to get through it. But guys, th- this is why, uh, Dee Dee, raise your hand real quick, Dee Dee. Everybody look at Miss Dee Dee back there. I'm not going to put you on the spot. Don't raise your hand, please. Just wave to everybody. God bless. All right. Dee Dee is a licensed uh, Christian counselor. And we've talked about this stuff before. Like, I, I, I'm in school right now, and I remember in a class that I was taking, it was a counseling class, my teacher said something that revolutionized the way I think. Is he says, you know, people who are depressed and they deal with stuff like that, a lot of times they get medication for it and they think that they can just get over it by talking and stuff. But this class that I took, the guy says the best cure for depression, the best fix for anger, for lying, for cheating, all that stuff, is Jesus Christ. If you give your life to Jesus Christ, you can overcome all that stuff. Because guess what? You're, you're, you're free from this brokenness. So guys, that's the first point is the gospel brings freedom. Here's point number two, and then we'll finish up, okay? Point number two, the gospel restores. Write that down. The gospel restores. When we talk about, when we talk about being restored, the question is, is what are we restored to? And if you remember our first circle, God's design was perfection. It was all, hold on a second, okay? It was all of this, it was, it was this perfect world it was God's perfect intent for us. And because of the cross, we can be restored. Remember, that's that word there, restore. We can be restored to this perfect design, okay? And so, hold on. When, we, um, when we're talking about that restoration and stuff, when we are slaves to sin, when we are bound to sin like that, guess, guess what? You put, you put yourself before God. You put yourself before others. Here's the beautiful thing about when you come to know Jesus, okay? When you come to know Jesus, when you give your life to God, some crazy things start to happen is you put God before yourself. Remember that story I told you the other night about the the guy in the Russian prison who, like, literally, he put God before himself. He was not willing to give, he was willing to give up his own life. And here's the other thing. You put others before yourself, you put others before yourself. And so, guys, sharing the gospel, it's all about showing people that they are slaves to sin. That's what, that's what the gospel is. Is when you're, when you're telling people, hey, hey, uh, be a Christian, be a Christian. Well, why should I be a Christian? Why should I give my life to Jesus? Because you're broken. And I'll tell you what, if, especially, I'm sure you guys can do this in school. If, if somebody tries to tell you that they don't deal with brokenness at all, they're lying to you. So, because of brokenness, we all deal with stuff. We all have baggage. We all have things that we wish that we could fix. And this is why pointing people to Jesus is the best, best thing, because Jesus is the only one who can do that. So here's, here's kind of how I want to end this, okay, is that I want to ask you guys, what are, you, are, are you sharing the gospel? What are you doing to tell people about Jesus? 
And the answer is, sadly, I, probably not many of us are doing it. All right? I'd probably even throw the leaders into that. And I'd, I'd say that to myself. I probably am not doing enough. But um, I want to give you just a couple of ways to, to, to get that going. When, when you, I remember I went to the gym in college one time, and I went in there, and I said, all right, man, I'm going to lift that 100-pound dumbbell. My friend's like, go ahead. And I tried to do it on the first try, and I couldn't do it, right? And, uh, and then he was like, you got to build up to it. And I said, okay. So I kept going to the gym, kept going. And then eventually I was able to lift it once or twice. I was like, all right, but you can't do it right away. And so what I want to do is if, the, if you are in here and you, you say to yourself, man, I, I wish I could share the gospel more. I wish I could be more passionate about sharing about Jesus. Let me give you a couple steps to do that. Okay. Here's the first one. Pray and read your Bible daily. Okay. Write that down. Please write that down. Pray and read your Bible daily. Now listen, hold on one second. What's that? You didn't have a pen or a pencil? Okay, you'll be all right. All right. <laughs> you can, here, meet one of these nice ladies over here, and you can copy their notes, okay? Um, but uh, read and pray, or read, pray and read your Bible daily. Now, listen, guys, prayer and reading your Bible, this is the food and water of being a Christian. If you don't pray and read your Bible daily, then guess what? You are going to be spiritually starved and spiritually dehydrated. I, uh, I, I just took a class a couple days ago down in uh, Southern where we went for a summer camp. Uh, that's where my school is. And so I was down there, and I get into class, and we're getting ready to start Greek. And my teacher says, okay, guys, who, who, who did, it, did it take a long time for you guys to get here? And I said, yeah, it took me a couple hours. And we had a guy from Chicago, and he goes, all right, here's what we're going to do for the first hour. Get your Bibles out and just read. Don't talk to anybody. Just read your Bible. And I got to tell you, we did it both days at the beginning of class. And for one hour, all I did was just read my Bible. And I'd like pray and I'd read my Bible. And guys, it was so refreshing. I was like, wow, this is great. So guys, remember, if, you, if you're running a race, you've got to eat and you've got to drink well, right? So just the same thing. If this race of sharing the gospel, if you want to do it, you have to pray and read your Bible daily. Here's the next one. Ready? Practice articulating the gospel. Practice articulating the gospel. What does that mean? It means practice saying the gospel. You guys... God calls us to be excellent in everything that we do. If that means you need to stand in front of your mirror and practice saying these things, do it. If that means you get a friend and you practice with your friend, do it. Hopefully that's what we'll do in small groups tonight, okay? But the first thing, and, and here, look, there's a couple ways to practice articulating it. Learn the three-circle method. This is a great way. Remember, I've done this on paper towels. That's the first one. The second one, share your testimony. Everybody in here who's saved Everybody in here who's given your life to Jesus, guess what? You have what they call a testimony, a journey that you took to get to where you are. And if you're saved and you've given life to Jesus, sometimes just telling someone how it happened to you is enough for them to want to turn to Jesus. So share your testimony, all right? That's a great one. When I was a kid, I remember a guy came in and told me about this horrible life he had and how he gave it to Jesus, and it really impacted me. And then here's the last one is live a life that shows the gospel being lived out. Remember, I told you guys that you... Uh, the worst thing you can do is be a Christian here and then go to school and then live a life completely contrary to it because your actions will actually speak louder than your words will. So, um, so there's that. And then here's that last point. I think I skipped over it, but it's put yourself into situations where you're able to share the gospel. Put yourself, <laughs> that's nice small print, put yourself in situations where you're able to share the gospel. Guys, I'm confident that everybody in here has friends who are not Christians, okay? Hang out with them. <laughs> Dude, that was awesome. <laughs> All right. Hang out with them. Invite them to come. I love that a lot of you guys invited some friends to back to school bash. That's awesome. All right. I, I love it when um, I, I had a guy come up to me once and he goes, he goes, man, I, 
I didn't know Christians could be so fun. I was like, yeah, we're kind of a cool group, all right? So <laughs> I was like, we can, we can have fun, right? We can do it. So put yourself in situations where you can share the gospel, hanging out with people and, and doing all that stuff. So guys, remember, put that bottom line back up, and here's how we'll finish, okay? Is that the gospel gives us freedom to be restored. There's a freedom that comes with it to be restored back to what God wants us to be. Let me tell you this last thing, and then we'll be done. I... Um, I was watching. Anybody ever seen the show Shark Tank? I love that show. I literally could watch that show for hours straight. In fact, we've done it before where I'll just be like, Brent, let's watch another episode. She goes, it's time for bed, all right? But the, the shark, I love Shark Tank because it's awesome. But here's what's really cool. This is one thing that me and my wife noticed when we were watching Shark Tank is when there's a lot of young entrepreneurs who come on there, they're selling their product and they show up. And what, what has really amazed us is this, this young, this young uh, these two guys come in and they're selling their product. And what's great about it is, I don't even remember the product, but they, they were just like, all right, tell us about your sales. And they said, all right, we, we, we sold stuff, we sell this, and, and it's great. And they said, all right, cool, so you got a lot of sales. They said, what do you do with your sales? Have you started paying yourself yet, or do you put it back into the business, get more revenue? And he said, they said, well, what we do with our sales is we pay ourselves, and then um, half the proceeds go to us, and then half go to this um, charity that we support. And, and I remember just being like, oh, that's pretty crazy. Okay, so what they do is they tell people this. They say, if you buy our product, half of the proceeds will go to this charity that we support. And what, what was funny is the more we started watching this, the more younger people we saw doing this, where they would, it wasn't that they were keeping all the money themselves. They would say, like one company, it was all about, they were like, hey, half of our proceeds are going to go to veterans' wives who don't have any, like their husbands have been disabled in service and stuff, so we're going to help them out. And I mean, it's like there's always a cause attached to it. And I remember when we were, me and my wife were talking about that, and we're like, man, this is nuts. Like all of these younger people, I always thought young people were lazy. I always thought like millennials, you know, guys, and listen, I'm a millennial, so I'll be, I'll, t- I'll be honest with you. I'm at the very, I'm like one of the older millennials, okay, or younger, older. Yeah, I'm one of the older millennials. And the thing about being one of the older millennials is I'm, I'm still grouped in there where they, they say millennials are lazy, a lot of them are. They say that we're selfish, a lot of us are. They'll say that we're, we, we're entitled, like we deserve everything. And, and if they think, if you think millennials are bad, your generation, which is generation I, is that right? Or Z, Z, right? You guys, man, they don't talk nice about you guys, okay? All right. They, they think you guys are the laziest bunch of people. And here's the thing. Some of you are. But, but here's what I found. Here's what I found. Listen, listen. Here's what I found to be true is you guys I really believe this. And millennials are some of the most passionate people in the world. I saw this on Shark Tank. I was like, man, these guys are really, really crazy. People in colleges who are protesting, even though I don't agree with what they're protesting, they're super passionate about it. All right? You guys are passionate. You guys really care for things. And so what I want to encourage you guys to do is that passion that you have, that excitement that you have for whatever cause, a lot of you guys are super passionate about sports. It's cool. Hey, Andy, some of you guys are super passionate about other things like friendships and talking during the lesson, all right? Some of you guys are also super passionate about um, video games, stuff like that. But here's the thing. I want you to take that passion and gear it towards the gospel. Imagine what you could do if you were that passionate about Jesus Christ. And if you don't think that's right, just, just open, your book to, open your Bibles to the book of Acts and see what a, what a small group of ragtag fishermen did. All right. These guys love Jesus, but they were so passionate about it that they changed the world for Christ. 
So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll divide up into our groups. Zach, we won't do the song, okay? So um, as I'm praying, I really want you guys to consider, ask yourself, be honest with yourself. Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing as a Christian? Am I sharing the gospel the way I should be? Am I passionate enough about Jesus to live a life that is all about Jesus? And if the answer is no, I want you to pray about that. Maybe there's people, maybe there are people in this room right now where you realize that you're still in this circle. You're broken. You're dealing with these things. You're, you're, you, you, you see no end in sight. Or maybe you're in this circle and you think things are going great. Like, man, I'm loving living my sinful lifestyle. And here's the thing, guys. Those things all come to an end eventually. And if you are in this circle right now where you've never given your life to Jesus, guys, it is so easy, all right? It's easy to do it. It's not easy to live it, though. All you got to do is repent of your sins and give your life to Jesus Christ, okay? So as I'm praying for you guys, for those in the room who've never given your life to Jesus, you can do it tonight. You can do it in your small group time. And for those in here who are just, you, you can say to yourself, man, I'm part of that 95% or that 81% who are not living out the gospel the way I should be. I want to encourage you guys. I'll say it this way. Get off your butts, all right? Get out there and do it for Jesus, okay? Let me pray. Everybody bow your heads. Dear God, thank you so much for this day. I thank you for everybody that's here. God, I pray for the kids in this room who have never given their life to you. God, I pray that they can see that they are slaves to sin. I pray that they can see that they are in bondage and need of freedom and restoration, God, and just let this ministry be the place that, that brings them to you, God. Lord, I also pray for the, the people in this room who, who are in that percentage of the people who aren't sharing their faith, and I pray that you can just work in them, give them passion, give them excitement. God, I am, I'm, I'm super excited to see what you do with this young group of, of teenagers and young adults here, God, the most passionate people in the world, God. I pray they can channel that passion for you. We love you, and we thank you, and we praise in your name. And all of God's children said, amen.